0: Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of TOWAS VIVENCIA, the podcast, in this second season, Bridging the Gap. In this second season, we are bridging the gap between some of the top dance companies in the whole world and our community. TOWAS VIVENCIA will be collaborating with dancers who are, or have been working with the greatest choreographers and companies of the 20th and 21st century. These incredible artists bring these incredible works and performances to life and they have generously offered to share how they train in order to do so. Their personal approaches to the company's technical style, cross-training for both body and mind, and staying creatively inspired. All this and more will provide a unique insight into how these dancers work, how they work within these companies and how they bridge the gap between their previous training and what is required to work with those companies. Hello, everyone. We have today with us Ian Garside He's a beautiful human being inside, outside, and in between. I haven't seen much of the in-between, but I am imagining that uh, he is. He's also a very good friend. And just preparing for this podcast, I remember the first memory I have of Ian is when he was a student at Laban. So actually, we go way, way, way back. So Ian, thank you so much for taking the time for speaking with us today for this podcast and also for teaching
1: with us next week. Sure. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Uh, I'm really looking forward. It's always a pleasure to, to chat with Ian. I met you probably two, three lives ago when you were still studying in, in Laban. From then you went into parts and then you've been working a lot and, and developing your teaching practice and your yoga, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can you tell us a little bit about who is Ian
1: today? Ian today is, in a way, I, I always have this reflection in general about growing up that Part of me still feels like a kind of 15, 16 year old that was becoming very sentient of myself or, or sentient aware of the fact that I, I was an individual beyond just my family and, and my culture where I grew up. And I think I, I've always carried a little bit of that with me through all of my experiences. Always felt like I've been on somehow the same kind of search, the same kind of journey of, of adventure and curiosity. Um so maybe it depends what viewpoint I take it from. Um but the Ian of today is kind of going through a new transition. I'm living in Spanish-speaking territory, so I'm I'm becoming this new Spanish-speaking Ian, which I'm slowly growing confidence in. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think I wouldn't have defined that as part of my identity, and now it's very much a, a part of my identity. Um, I'm living a, a much more local life because of the small place that I live in, and that was really compounded by all of the quarantine regulations from COVID nineteen and the cancellation of a big, big job, big traveling job that I had. So I found myself in my small town on this relatively small island with a lot of the, the regularity of traveling and mixing with large numbers of very different people on a regular basis, suddenly shifting to meeting a lot of the same people over and over and over again which is something that I probably haven't had since I was at school or maybe in short periods of the projects of, of work that I've done over the years. Um, so I'm going through this strange transition where I'm I'm trying to kind of find this new home for myself where I am and figure out, I guess, what of my career and what of my skills in in dance in movement in working with people can I try to apply to this new context and in the place where I live there is some dancing but I don't necessarily connect my way of dancing with the the current scene that's here so it's not been as easy to just fall into finding work and interacting with with dancers here than I I maybe thought it might have been originally. So the Ian of today is very much considering what of the skills I have? Can I apply in new situations? And how can I kind of reformulate my idea of dancing and my idea of movement so that it has an application that's a little bit different from the experiences I've been using it for in, in, in the last decade, let's say. So that comes with teaching yoga, teaching yoga to the, to the local community here. I've been studying to teach English, thinking that that's going to be a nice crossover from my interest in teaching. That um, maybe down the line can somehow mix also with movement, teaching people about movement while also teaching them english here and yeah considering considering how and where to apply my knowledge and skills of movement in 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 this new life that i find myself in
0: thank you for that because uh, you voiced uh, in a really really nice way something that i've been thinking a lot i've been talking to lot of different professional dance companies over the last few months uh, and uh, we can take as an example the the big tour that you were going to have with DBA that it's now canceled for now and many other companies that have realized mm-hmm. it, that in March they going to they are going to decide to uh, to tell all the dancers that the work is canceled for the rest of 2021 so now we are seeing mm-hmm. as a community the repercussions of the pandemic because at the moment we were kind of like in a resilience uh, bite your teeth and let's see what happens absolutely but now
1: yeah
0: yeah yes 2021 will all be fine 2021 (laughs) is not gonna be fine 2022 we don't know what's gonna happen and we don't know how how it's gonna be the recovery for the sector so i think it's majorly important that as dance artists we can start thinking how important is to be on a stage, how important it is to be performing, how important it is to be educating uh, future professional dance movers, which I think mm. is massive and should not uh, be contemplated as an option, but also how we are going to reshape our careers to use our expertise in order to serve our local communities. So it's fantastic that you're voicing that. Therefore, Absolutely, yeah. I would like to ask you, how is that search for you? Because you mentioned about movement, uh, you, you were teaching the, the most kind of like uh, the first step, you know, teaching English because it's your mother tongue mm. uh, teaching uh, yoga because you have an education that. And then you were saying maybe in the future it's about teaching movement for uh, people who doesn't move and the intricacies of uh, the language with the movement how 's been that how conscious has been that search, how organic because of how the situation is evolving, and I am not going to ask you what is going to be the result because we don 't know, but how you are you making those choices
1: mm-hmm. I, I think up until now, the process very much has been uh, organic in that some of it has been guided by the necessity of survival, which is i search for jobs which i can kind of instantly do i search for jobs which will instantly fit with my skill set and then every so often along the way i'll i'll kind of hit a bump and i'll try something new and that will then add to my kind of repertoire of what i think i'm able to share professionally so in terms of dance teaching That's included, along the way, workshops about uh, the voice, workshops about speaking, using the voice while moving, which is kind of experiences that I got from the first time I worked with Deviate some years ago. And after a while, I started not offering that as a workshop because it was something that I didn't feel such close affinity with. Um, I'd never been teaching yoga, even though I'd been studying yoga for more than a decade already. And at some point the quarantine seemed like a good opportunity to start applying that locally. So that became a, a new outlet for my skills. And I think the the consciousness of my choices Some of it is following my immediate interest in a particular moment, mixed with the opportunities that are around. So the example of the yoga was a great one. I wasn't able to just start teaching dance in my local community during quarantine. I probably wasn't interested either, because I would have ended up teaching children, teenagers, pre-professionals, which is something that I've kind of moved away from. In, ...in recent years and I don't have a great interest in doing at the moment. Whereas teaching yoga was something that I felt I could give a lot of enthusiasm... ...and I knew that I would get a great uh, sense of achievement from... ...because I could share something that I felt was useful... ...that I knew, knew that other people would appreciate and that was kind of a conscious choice to put my effort into that for a while more than trying to teach dance in a context that I knew I was going to struggle with and I knew was going to cause me some heartache so I thought better that I try something new that I don't know whether immediately will satisfy as much as other things have satisfied me but at least there will be a new opportunity for me to try something different Put my skills into a different context and, and see what comes up from it so thinking back to your question as, as to where's this going to go and how am I going to make choices about this in the future it's still evolving and I don't necessarily have a very structured plan my strategy of how to proceed is a little bit cruising or surfing through the dreams or the ambitions that I have, thinking about teaching movement to uh, politicians, businesses, people who have financial, economic, uh, political power, who don't necessarily have the bodily... Uh, skills <laughs> the bodily knowledge that I think gives us empathy and creative freedom as humans um. that as a concept sounds very big and very broad and very general and I don't yet know how I will apply that but it's a kind of dream that I know in concept is there and finding the right opportunity or the right moment to apply myself to it I hope will kind of show itself to me and along the way maybe I'll try and make some decisive actions to create that opportunity for myself but yeah I I feel like it's a bit of a process of flux of dreaming about things seeing what opportunities come up trying to follow my interests in the meantime and hope for lucky situations.
0: Yeah Uh, and and it's amazing to see how many of us are in a similar direction. First of all, out of need. And then and second of all, something that I really like is out of uh, passion and values and goal and ambition. Um, I want to pick up in something that you said is how you could give great sense of achievement to to those people when you were teaching yoga. We're now talking about the politician that the, or other kind of uh, communities that hold the power, but they don't have the bodily knowledge and how can that give them empathy and the freedom and it is incredible that we are sitting in a wealth of knowledge that somehow it's very narrowed use at the moment for all the dancers which is something that it is necessary but i'm really looking forward how this 2020 2021 2022 is gonna give us the need Mm. to push for those values and, and make those realizations because i am and this is what we are trying to achieve, Vencia. We we want more, higher quality training for all the performers, for those skills to be transferred to the rest yeah. of the world. So we need more dancers.
1: No absolutely, less absolutely. Yeah, and, and 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 like you said, I don't think it necessarily means that the outcome will be more dancers performing on more stages and more professional performance productions happening, but. Yeah, where, where do we use these skills to the greater good? It, it sounds very idealistic, but I was just having a conversation um, with the director of this choreographic centre I was in last week. And on our final day of talking, he said something about what is, I'm paraphrasing, but what is our dance doing or how do we reflect upon the value of our dancing When there are people in large parts of the world who the biggest concern is, are they going to have fresh water to drink in five years time? And it sounds like a bit of a ridiculous comparison. And I think sometimes people think these problems are too big for the lowly dancer to be able to solve. But maybe it's not about instantly solving the problem, but considering where can we put our skills to use that will bring some kind of greater consciousness about the problems that face us all rather than just what is the best way to gain more power for myself individually and put myself in a better situation but share skills for everybody to be in a better situation which I think is one of the skills that dancers practice innately from a very early age without really realizing it Empathy towards others, supporting others, looking out for each other, the the general growth of everybody in the room, and not just yourself. At least I hope that's what good dance education instills in people.
0: Resilience, uh, the need to keep growing, uh, the curiosity, mm. the playfulness, the uh, uh, yeah, no, definitely, and the brotherhood. There is something about this dance community that um, mm. that make us. Uh, I feel that, that we are coherent. Uh, and I fully, fully agree with you. We need more professional dancers. It doesn't need to be professional performers. We need professional uh, people with the skills of movement and empathy and resilience and, and creativity that give us the bodily experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, to talk to you in six months' time, nine months' time, one year. Yeah. And <laughs> And to join forces, isn't it, as, as dance communities, because we might not be able to solve the problem of water in certain communities in five years' time. But if we can contribute a little bit to that person who can have a closer uh, possibility of solving that problem to make his life better for him, to, him or her or them, to make that uh, decision, my job mm. is done, I can die in peace.
1: Absolutely, yeah encourage that kind of creative consciousness around the problems that are facing more than just myself. Yeah,
0: definitely. So here's a very difficult question. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you've thought about that, but uh, you are going to be, you are right now, as we speak this week, uh, teaching in Korea at uh, 5.30 in the morning. You, are, am, teaching, yes. <laughs> uh, for, you are teaching for Leipzig uh, pro dance as well. So you are very internationally uh, expanding, even if you are in your living room in Canary Island. So, and you're going to be teaching with us next week, hopefully for the rest of the world. We have people from Peru, from South America, from uh, Spain, from the UK. What is the content that you're going to be delivering that hopefully will increase the skills for those uh, participants who will be some of them performers, professional performers, but some of them will not, but will also um, contribute. It will also help them to develop skills towards empathy, resilience, uh, motivation, freedom. What is the content that it's going to work those skills?
1: So I'm, I'm trying to follow slightly different paths with, for example, the workshop that I'm teaching for Korea than what I'm going to approach with towards Bivinthia. Um And I'm sure there are commonalities to them both. So if I start with Korea, The workshop's called Practicing Play, and it's something that I've developed in different contexts for a couple of years. And the the basic principle is how to practice a playful attitude, how to access the playful attitude, how to maintain it, but also how to be aware of the processes that are involved when we play, the kind of uh, excitement that comes up, but also the judgment and competition comes up. So then if I jump forward to what I'll be teaching with Towards Vivencia, which I've called at the moment rigorous, not rigid, thinking about our conversation that initiated uh, me proposing this workshop, which was, what did I feel like I was missing when I was working at a high professional level that I needed to work with Deviate or, or other companies with a similar reputation? And it was something about resilience through rigorous practice. Determination to carry on despite hardship, despite self-doubt, despite physical pain or physical limitation. And what I came to realize for myself was a kind of rigorous but caring practice, but, but rigorous above all else. Rigorous practice was what allowed me the perseverance to keep coming back and around to myself with all of these difficulties around me and be able to kind of pass the time while still staying myself, not breaking myself, not um, turning into a different me but maintaining some kind of conviction of the identity that I was carrying with me. However stable or not that is, but feeling like I was a valuable individual, which is, I think, sometimes the difficulty of working at a very, very high level where there's a lot of pressure on you. The pressure is that you can easily break emotionally, psychologically, physically. So the rigorous practice allows us to kind of persevere all those difficulties and come out the other side saying oh you know what i'm still okay i'm still here i'm still alive and i've still got a little bit of energy to put into the next thing so now linking up uh, those two lines of thought that the practicing play and the being rigorous about what we do are kind of two sides of the same coin that we need to practice with rigor we need to practice with discipline and dedication But at the same time, we need to stay playful and we need to stay enjoying what we do. Otherwise, we're just beating ourselves with a cane like the old kind of industrial education system where you got whipped if you didn't learn things properly and creates all sorts of other issues. So the content of my workshops and what I I hope uh, will transmit to the students Is this sense that we need to play seriously. We need to practice whatever it is we choose to practice with um, determination, with a kind of commitment to carry on and carry on and carry on knowing that there are days when we won't feel great about what we're doing when we won't feel like we're achieving what we want to be achieving when we won't feel like we're spectacular human beings so also maintaining this kind of playful approach that at the end of the day it's okay it I, i sometimes say in classes it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter we're not nuclear scientists we don't have the nuclear button underneath our thumb that can destroy the world in a second if I mess up what I'm doing or I don't feel great about how I've danced today there's going to be another moment where I can try all of this again and enjoy a fresh approach to whatever it is I'm trying and I think that attitude allows us a very different kind of empathy to ourselves, which then spreads out towards others and empathy towards other people, um, patience when we don't feel like people around us are getting the things done that we think they should be getting done, or achieving the way we think they should be achieving. So it can help us to kind of put put into perspective our own expectations of both ourselves and the world around us, and hopefully bring us down a notch and bring some humility to the way we behave towards both ourselves and to others. So that's, in a nutshell, the kind of overall (laughs) the overall goal of what it is that I'm trying to teach through through various different exercises and very different uh, ways of approaching dance phrases, movements, ways of thinking as we move, questioning what it is we do when we move.
0: I am going to continue following that thread, but before that, uh, I am amazed about this conversation because you and I, we spent time uh, talking in the past, but never so clear I saw those crossovers when you're talking about playfulness and... uh, that rigor, it is amazing that at the core of the TOWOS VIVENCIA designing presence methodology, at the very core, there are three components of that presence, which is playfulness, unitasking, being at the thing that you are doing instead of million things, and something that we call the doer, coming from Grotowski, is the person who does, which is the commitment of doing what you're doing. And I'm, fan- I mean, I'm amazed about those crossovers between what you are gonna be teaching and what we do, which uh, I love it because it means that it's something in the air, that we all are mm. going into a similar path um, using our skills in other uh, um, environments, but also what are those skills and what is important. So talking uh, uh, of that, I'm going to keep pulling the thread. And I would like to ask you if you would be able to give us a sneak preview, meaning that we get an overall idea of the things that you're going to be working but I don't know exactly if you could offer us uh, a concrete example, meaning that you are going to give us dance material five, six, seven, eight that we need to learn and then we need to repeat for 45 minutes in order to train our rigorous and resilience. Give us a little bit of, if you can, a sneak, peek. Sure.
1: Um, I mean, I've only planned some of what I'm teaching so far, so there's still some thinking to do, but if. If I take the first couple of things that pop to my head, one of them is something similar to what you've already mentioned, which is learn a very basic pattern. I often call the kind of dance material that I teach, quote-unquote, patterns or phrases rather than kind of particular dance sequences because maybe I'm just not very good at making choreography or dance phrases. I don't know, but... I like this idea of very simple movement phrase that is quite repetitive in nature. So it will be uh, something that deals with disorientation. Lots of spirals going around and around in circles and the circle constantly changing direction. So a very, very simple pattern that becomes complex by layering it up into different directions, basically. So you'll have this basic pattern that we work with, and then we'll start to modulate either speed or quality of the the way that we're doing that movement, or even start to shift uh, modules of that pattern to rearrange the pattern, so that we're changing the the sort of attention to the the sequence as we do it, and the idea is that we we have to put our attention into what's changing as the conditions change, what's changing for us physically, what's changing for us uh, psychologically in our attention, the attention that we need to put into uh, executing this movement. And also, I'm losing the thread a little bit. <laughs> yeah, what's changing about the conditions that therefore has an effect on the way that I can or can't involve my entire self in the movement that I'm doing. So the way I can involve myself, whether I get more or less tired doing it faster or slower, whether I get more or less disorientated with with the pattern being changed into a different sequence, whether I get more or less interested in the movement more or less bored of the movement, more or less judgmental of myself, more or less critical of myself. So to have a kind of self-reflexive process as I'm going through a movement sequence that on the first instance doesn't really have a lot of complexity to it, but the complexity is the way I am conscious of what I'm doing as I do it over and over again in different directions, in different speeds, in different Qualities, for example. So that's one example of like a very particular movement phrase that might be recognisable in a kind of dance class uh, in the typical five, six, seven, eight kind of structure. And then taking from a different side, I try to work with improvisation a little bit. And an exercise that I might do there is starting with Moving because we can move. Move without any reason, move without any motivation, just move. And as we start to move, as you start to notice what it is that you're doing, be precise about what it is that you're noticing in yourself as you move. Start to pick up on a detail, take a detail and then uh, hone in, zone in on that detail and make that the material of your dancing focus in on something that you're doing and make that the the material and the attention of what it is that you do. And then again, go through a very similar kind of mental process of what it is we're paying attention to as we dance, how aware are are we of the judgments of ourselves or others if we're dancing in a studio with other people, a bit more difficult with, with Zoom screens. Uh, But how aware are we of the judgments that we're making? How aware are we of the decisions that we're making as we progress through something that is simple as pick up a detail in your own moving and make that the focus of your moving? And the whole kind of psychological process that comes along with that of self-criticism, self-judgment, the boredom and motivation thing that I was talking about earlier. And how to find... Um, patience within ourself to go through these different lulls, these different barriers or different doorways that might inhibit us from going further along the path of discovering what is deep inside or, or, or further along in that movement so that we don't just give up too quickly, we don't just change the different idea because that's boring us or we think it's not interesting to other people's vision, to other people's gaze, so that we have to, in a way, confront ourselves with the judgments that we're making about our own movement and persevere, persevere and see what kind of uh, reflections we make upon ourselves as we go along. A journey that doesn't really have any substance to it but the substance is what we create by being in it and it serves as a kind of vehicle for us to be able to process our own mental process through that movement process
0: particularly relevant isn't it um, and I'm really happy to see how many of us are also going in the direction of in a very tangible way start training skills as necessary as awareness or consciousness we were used to work or uh, upper body skills and stamina and resilience but mm. those non tangible skills that as um, consciousness or awareness how we are finding ways of training them very very tangible mm. it seems particularly challenging but also equally necessary nowadays because it seems like it's going to be very, very soon a a lost craft, attention and resilience and dedication and patience. In a moment that we are used to choose if a video, we like it or not, in the first three seconds, and we normally don't see more than 12 of those seconds in social media. Mm. When we have immense... uh, choice in our netflix channels uh, and and different ways of communicating sometimes for a meeting we spend hours deciding whatsapp zoom slack messenger
1: mm-hmm.
0: are you are you finding challenging to work on the, that patience and resilience more now than 10 years ago first of all as uh, as ian as a, for as an individual and also for the participants of the workshops that receive that content?
1: Um, I couldn't be a hundred percent sure because maybe two reasons. One, my own kind of an understanding of what it is that I'm trying to teach has developed and, and matured in a way. Um, I still go into most teaching contexts with some kind of insecurity, some kind of unsureness about what it is that I'm actually trying to do. And it was a learning process for me to have to accept that kind of not knowing what it was that I was trying to do that I, I hope becomes a part of the kind of, the grace of what it is that I'm trying to share with people because I always felt like, when a teacher comes in and tells you exactly the way you should be thinking or the way you should be moving, I already lose interest as a student. My process of trying to learn something lessens because I'm not given the space to go on that learning process myself. So I hope that uh, as a teacher not being entirely sure of what I'm trying to do all the time, leaves some of the space for a student to also figure things out and become the teachers of tomorrow because we're all going through this process of learning that constantly, you know, goes around in cycles. So I think 10 years ago, the, the me of 10 years ago probably had a bigger proportion or a bigger segment of that kind of insecurity than I do now. So nowadays, um, it's easier for me, perhaps because I have more confidence or more, assuredness in what it is that I'm trying to do (laughs) even if it doesn't always work out uh, even if there are days when it doesn't feel like I've matured at all I think in general that proportion has shifted and then the, the other side of it is that the students that I meet along the way I feel like again there are these kind of cycles that when I'm trying to teach this stuff to for example an open professional setting I will see more of a kind of openness to receive the ideas than I would if I was teaching a pre-professional or kind of graduate level training because graduate level training it's still very young people with a hunger to learn but not necessarily a whole lot of reflective skills that put them in a place where they are questioning everything. They're like sponges that just want to soak it all up and they want to succeed very quickly. They're at that ambitious stage of their life where they want things to happen now. They want to get a job now. They want to leave school now. They want to be a grown-up now. And it's, it's just a sign of, a, 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 or a quality, I think, of that age you know, and I remember it in myself. I think that age of people, we can't expect any different from them. So I think also it depends on the kind of student that I'm, I'm faced with in the studio. And that's also maybe a cultural thing as well. I think some cultures are more open to the idea of questioning everything we do and, and trying to sort of follow the rationale behind why we are why we are where we are, what what we do when we try to do something. And there are other cultures, particularly in dancing, where it is, learn, five, six, seven, eight, and do it the best as you can, based on the judgment or the expectations of the person who's taught it to you, who's telling you what is good or what is not good. So, has it changed over the last 10 years? based on all of the kind of shift in technology. My, my reference point is those two things at the moment. One, my own journey of maturity over those 10 years. Two, the kind of students that I teach. And maybe a little sprinkling on the edge of all of this of the fact that I, I'm a little bit out of touch with how technology changes. And while I, I try to keep my finger in, in what's going on, In terms of social media, I'm aware of shifts, but I feel like I'm a little bit behind the track. What I try to keep up to date with is kind of global shifts in political movement, in uh, technology, in kind of economic changes. But the kind of day-to-day of how kids think with the TikTok revolution and how that's different from when it was Snapchat or how that was different from, I think I kind of see the aftershock. I see the aftershock well beyond when it was actually happening. So I don't know if I've totally got my finger on the pulse of all of that. Um, so maybe that's the, the, the flip side of all of this. Technologically, I'm a bit out of touch.
0: I, I understand what you mean. I feel uh, very, very related also to the idea of the aftershock, being a little bit behind of what's happening and getting to know about TikTok after two years that everyone was on TikTok. Uh, so I, understand mm-hmm. what it um, <laughs> I would like to wrap it up in a way that this is opening a huge conversation for another time about politics, economics of the world, keeping your pulse in what is today and Uh, how we can contribute with our dance uh, skills. So actually, I need to thank you right now because probably you are shaping with this conversation somehow what it could be the next term of bridging the gap. It might be the gap in between performers and professional movers and how we can start um, using those skills in different uh, context and different uh, settings then it's not only performing and how important it is to carry on performing because by that we will keep developing the skills that we will be using in other settings but mm. that is the that probably does the next uh, bridging the gap so really looking forward to maybe welcome you again for the next season of bridging the gap so in order to finish can you give us a little bit an overall a view of uh, What's uh, what's going on for you? I know that you've been uh, teaching this week in for Korea for Lightspeak. I know that you just uh, arrived from a residency uh, from La Gomera in another little island. So can you tell us a little bit what's happening right now and what's gonna be over the last few months for you? Just in case there are people who wants to continue working with you, wants to follow your work.
1: Sure. Um. Since uh. Since the tour of. The remake of Enter Achilles, which was originally a deviate work and then it was co-produced by Rombear and Sadler's as Wells as to be remade under the direction of Lloyd Newson. We were on track to have this fantastic uh, worldwide tour that all stopped with quarantine. So I'm talking about recent months because one year ago still feels quite recent. Um, but all of that stopping was kind of a big shift for me away from the kind of globalness that I was used to in my travel and my work into a very, very more local mindset, which has been a blessing in disguise in a way. So the first thing that took my attention was yoga classes with with the local community here, which we managed to keep uh, in person and then very recently we had to shift that online because of the current quarantine measures here but that's one thread that's going on while that's been happening I've also had the the advantage of being at home and trying to connect with the arts community in the Canary Islands so I did a production in the capital of Gran Canaria in Las Palmas last uh, November, December that May tour around the islands. We're still really waiting to find out. And the current restrictions of COVID-19 make that difficult. Um, So there's a bit of performing and getting to know the performance companies who are making work around here locally. Um, I'm going to have a job in a a modern art museum, like a miniature version of the Tate Modern in Las Palmas, uh, performing the work of Xavier Loa and some other interesting artists, which will keep me here until July. And the other great advantage of that work is it gives me lots of free time. So it gives me a kind of stability to focus on a solo that I've been trying to put into the planning over the last few months, and I've just finished my first artistic residency for in La Gomera. So, looking ahead my plan is kind of continue working on this solo trying to find context to continue that work hopefully for some kind of premiere by the end of this year which i'm imagining both having kind of theater premiere but trying to make multimedia work that can be shared with the world not needing to travel people not needing to come into a theater to see it so that's kind of my my particular creative um, adventure at the moment and what I'm doing, alongside trying to get more and more involved in the local art scenes in the Canary Islands, along with trying to maintain my teaching practice because it's something that I've always loved doing. And with with the Enter Achilles production, I kind of left that aside for a while so now after a year of coming back to teaching, it's throwing up all of these new, new questions for me and it's, it's, I guess, throwing into jeopardy my own expectations or my own conceptions of what it is that I'm teaching, why I'm teaching, what context am I looking for to teach in. So my, my aim is to try and find more and more opportunity to support myself in that search to continue being able to teach and continue to be able to find supportive environments where people are interested to be asking the questions or to support me in those kind of questions that I'm asking.
0: Really full on uh, in a very conceptual way and looking forward to see how that materialize for all of us to follow what you're doing uh, in classes, in performance, around the world, and hopefully more of those conversations, which I really enjoy. Ian, thank you so much for this time, for this conversation, which I really enjoy, and really looking forward for your classes next week with us.
1: Absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing everybody in class.
0: We are too as well. Thank you so much, and have a great evening.
1: Cheers, Jorge. Bye for now. Bye-bye.